2: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. So glad you joined us today. (laughs) You sound very glad. I am. I'm glad that you're glad. Oh. Even my computer is (laughs) glad. It's like a little bit of a hallelujah. That's right. I love it. Um, And so, Say Yes to Spirit, why don't you tell them about Say Yes to Spirit and in case someone's listening for the first time and they don't know anything about our show.
0: That's it, that's it. Well, you know, Say Yes to Spirit was uh, created almost four years ago now. Gosh, Tracy Brown, that's a long time. Um, We uh, had the idea of what it would be like to have a conversation about everyday topics in the frame of mind of saying yes to spirit. And... uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, really it's an extraordinary thing. It, 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 like the 12-step programs talk about, it, it's so simple it's hard. The fact that if I take everyday topics and look at them through the glasses of spirit, how do they look different than if I look through the glasses of my human fear or my anxiety or my uncertainty or my need to know? How do, how does life look through the eyes of saying yes to spirit? So it's a weekly adventure into that, and uh, it's a weekly reminder. And I, I just am so, um, so pleased at how it's helped me. I don't know what it does for anyone else, but thank goodness. You know they say in 12 Steps as well, when you tell your story, that uh, the idea is to help one person and the sponsor will always tell the person telling their story, and you are guaranteed to be helped by telling your story, so you've already won the whole idea before you even get up there and tell your story. So certainly this weekly journey has been a lifeline to me over the past four years. So I, I, I would anticipate that it, it, it is that for others, but um, it is that for me, and that's enough today. And that's all to that counts. That's enough. That's enough. All, right. for all that counts.
2: So every week we do choose a theme because we talk about all kinds of stuff in the course of the series of shows, and so we are doing a series, um, a multi-week series on spiritual practices. What are different spiritual practices? How do they work? Why do they work? What are examples of ways we could incorporate that spiritual practice into our lives, So we're doing a series right now on spiritual practices, and today we're going to at least start out focusing (laughs) on meditation as a spiritual practice. That will be our theme for today. But before we get into our theme for the day, we always... I'd connect the dots with our most recent previous theme, and in this case, that theme was the triune nature of God or the Trinity. And, um, and so, yeah. <laughs> you forgot to say it's Leslie's favorite part. i you know, I need that. It's
0: Leslie's whole r- obsessive compulsive <laughs> part. Or favorite part. Yes, this would probably be uh, synonymous. Um, connecting the dots, it is, and that's another thing about sort of looking at everything through the spiritual lens, you know, everything's connected, and when we stop and pay attention, we can see how things are connected, and, uh, so there is a, there's a method to the madness around that as well, but the triune nature, the trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and meditation, that's a, um, connect, connect those two or it's pretty easy in terms for me when i do my meditation i get connected to this father the son and the holy ghost pretty easily if i'm not doing any kind of spiritual practice or any kind of meditation and that is really my spiritual practice of choice um if i'm not doing that then i'm not connected to the father the son or the holy ghost and i uh and I am floundering out there, not really um connected and that meditation. I can't wait to talk about meditation because it's uh, again, all about me. It'll be a reminder and an awakening to what I already know, but that I seem to be needing constant awakening to. Great connected, connected. Ah, And that's and I also appreciate the affirmation, so yes. Some, some weeks it sounds more sincere than others, but that's okay. I don't mind just, you know, there you go.
2: You have trained me well. Yes, thank goodness. So our theme today is meditation, and we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to talk about meditation on Say Yes to Spirit. I'm listening to "Say Yes to Spirit" with Tracy and Leslie, and our theme today is
0: meditation. Meditation, meditation, meditation. Um, the reason that meditation is so significant to me, I started when I was 19, going to Al-Anon, and they always talk about doing a different. In Al-Anon, it, it, I don't recall it being termed a spiritual practice, but they would. One of the big things there's a ODAT, a a one-day-at-a-time book that they would talk about reading in the mornings. And I remember growing up, we read the Methodist, um, I don't know what it's called, but, you know, it's a daily reading that you would read a verse out of the Bible and then you would read the the upper room. That was it.
2: I was just going to say, I just picked up an upper room That's it. Thursday night.
0: Isn't that crazy? And so that was part of my tradition growing up, so I really resonated with that with Alan. I started reading the one day at a time book and started saying the third step prayer every morning. And even though I didn't understand that what I was doing was a meditative kind of time, I probably framed it in prayer. I used the word prayer at that time. But it was setting up a morning experience that centered me or connected me. And throughout the next 50, well, I'm 51 so that's 19 a lot of years um, the majority of those years I've done some sort of morning experience and I can absolutely reflectively looking back on my life see the difference in my days and um, when I was first involved in Al-Anon it was really extraordinary because it was I really was in that flow and I didn't have language for it then I didn't understand the concept of having God within me and connecting to that and having, you know, what I now call green light days, I have a lot more language for it now and a lot less experience of it. That seems sad and sort
2: of cruel. <laughs> a little cruel. Scary,
0: a little cruel. Um, back in the day I was just experiencing it and, and living it and um, not really even aware of what it, it was. But um, I can certainly see uh, when I do that morning experience, how different my day is and now i'm at the point where i have committed to myself somewhere between one minute and 30 minutes and it doesn't matter and i really have experientially e- experienced this is that a can i you know double experientially experienced but in the last few months literally a minute a day de- in the mornings has shifted my day yes and it's again so simple it's hard that's all it really takes for me, and I don't know that I'm that unique in that, but if I commit that one minute to to realigning, to reawakening, to re-remembering, um, it, it makes a, tra- a tremendous difference, and there's some people that do uh, sit in the stillness, John and Linda Caswell, and uh, had done their class several years ago, sit in the stillness, and they talked about, links in a chain and, uh, and, and it really is true as well if i just do two or three days in a row it has a certain amount of energetic effect but if i can put seven or ten or 12 or 15 or 30 days in a row of just that one minute it absolutely feeds on itself so so not allowing myself to say oh i don't have time and then mm. jump starting my day without that one minute but I can put, there's just no no way I can justify not having that one minute and putting those links in alignment. And I have several, probably over a month now of those links, which I am very pleased. That is excellent. That is good for Leslie, good for Leslie. It is.
1: But it, is. it does,
0: it shifts everything. And I don't know, you know, um, I don't know how I can get so far from that, being as smart as I am now. but. Uh, Last couple of years, I have gotten pretty far from it, but I am pleased to say I am back in that link in the chain kind of thing.
2: And I agree, it makes a tremendous difference, positive difference. Um, and it is funny that last in the last week, I've just had like this really over almost overwhelming schedule, mm. <clears throat> and. Uh, that's
0: overwhelming. If you've ever know, over I know Tracy's schedule, so she's a busy woman. And if Always, you say it's busy, but, then it's like uh,
2: yeah, it it was, and, and good stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. doing good stuff, and and not getting enough sleep, and you know, needing to go from point A to point B. And there were a couple of mornings where I heard my brain tell me, (laughs) you just don't have time to meditate. You you don't have time to do spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. And the first morning, I was so caught up in doing what I needed to do to get out of the house to go to the next thing or, you know, whatever was on my schedule that day. Oh, that was the day that I started with an 8 a.m. Skype session. Mm. And uh, you know, and I had been up really late the night before and I woke up like it was 7:30 mm. and I had to you know be be ready. And uh you're I'm on Skype on camera, so mm. that's what, that was wearing, a factor. You had to be wearing like at least a shirt, you know, and have your hair done. <laughs> and I I remember my brain saying you don't need to do any spiritual practice. You can do it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And I almost let that be in control, almost, mm-hmm. um, because I was like, "Yeah, that's right. I got to do this. I need to take a shower. I've got to like <laughs> do something with my hair, and you know, and I've got to get online and get Skype set up and check the camera and all of that." So I'm thinking, I don't, you know, I don't have time. So luckily, I jumped in the shower, and I teach a class called five-minute spiritual practices, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I was in the shower, and my brain was going through the mental checklist, and I was like, wait, stop. For the next 30 seconds, just say out loud, while the water is running, what are Mm -hmm. you grateful for? And I did that for probably two minutes. I Mm -hmm. mean, in my mind, it's like for 30 seconds, but once you get started, you just go. So I probably went about two minutes. And then um, as I was getting dressed, I have an altar in my bedroom and my normal practice is to, you know, light the candle, sit and meditate for however long I'm going to meditate. And I realized I was in motion. I didn't feel I could stop. And meditate, but I could light the candle mm-hmm. because lighting the candle mm-hmm. is so much a part of the process mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it holds sacred energy as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And of course, when I once I lit the candle, I found myself on the mat because I leaned over to let the light the candle. I might as well just sit down,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I did the one minute. I you know I I didn't time it, but it probably was not longer mm-hmm. than one or two minutes mm-hmm. um, because I was kind of in that energy but it grounded me and I think I think you know this idea of what you just shared of it is important in ways we don't even realize right and the the stereotype of I'm going to meditate the stereotype about that is you're gonna find some quiet place and Sit on the floor in lotus position. I understand those cross legs that i can 't do right, right. Yeah. in lotus position and maybe incense burning, maybe not, and it's quiet, and you're chanting and holding your fingers in mudra, not mudra pose because that 's over your heart, but in that pose where your thumb and your fore index finger or your you know are touching and <gasps> Such a dramatic stereotype,
0: and you have to be transported in the stereotype. You have oh, to yeah. be transported to some, you know, other realm, or have you know colors or lights or flashes, or. And, and I can remember um, years ago, I went each Wednesday night to um, Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas has a meditation on Wednesday nights before they do a class.
2: At that time.
0: At that time, and um, and it was a thirty-minute meditation but it was a 20 minute meditation and uh, Reverend Petra would uh, 10 minutes after the 20 minutes would kind of talk about let people talk about and I can remember sitting in the meditation for 20 minutes and thinking about all the things I hadn't done and feeling regretful about the things that I hadn't done and being worried about the things I had to do and my mind was just and I was really always so conscious that I wasn't like moving in my chair or if I, you know, made a sound or, you know, shifted my weight and my my chair made a noise and I'd have a shame attack, like, oh my God, I've upset everyone because I made this noise in the chair. <laughs> and so, you know, I was just so consumed with all of that and then during the time when people would talk, of course, the people would talk and they'd say, well, wow, I went to this, you know, Pluto or something, you know, and I had this, you know, image of That's spirit right. and of, and I would sit there in silence and be like, oh, I'm doing this so wrong. And this is just not, you know, how come I'm not, how come I can't even steal my mind? And, and it and it was fascinating though each week I couldn't wait for Wednesdays. Even though I wasn't, you know, I was having all this judgment around how I wasn't doing it right. And I was having all this shame around how I was ruining everyone else's by adjusting my seat and making the sound. I found my something within me being pulled to that every week. I have to have it. I want that. I want that. And over time, I came to understand that it really has nothing to do with what happens during the meditation. It's the thing itself. It's the thing itself. And I... And I think over the uh, time I have attached, you know, that I have to do it in a certain place or I have to do it in a certain way or I have to have a certain experience. But what keeps organically coming back the truth of is it doesn't matter where I am, what happens, it's just the doing of it. It's just the doing of it. And um, and, I, and I think, you know, it's so funny because this, you know now i understand the language of it spirit within me you know was the thing pulling me back kind of giving me this sort of silent reassurance that no just keep going just keep doing it and and then the the message would come later in terms of okay i just need to sit It doesn't matter, and I'm not going to spoil anybody's experience. Even if I coughed, oh my goodness, once I coughed, it was terrible. I felt like I should leave. I was going to say, oh my gosh.
2: They wouldn't know it was me that coughed,
0: you know? And that was horrible the day I coughed while I was meditating. And, um, you know, it's fascinating. Uh, Later on, a few years after that, we started doing meditation in between services, and I would um, be kind of the donger that sounds horrible. That does. But I'd be the person that kind of chimed people in and chimed out, you know, So, and we would meditate in the room next to the children's uh, classroom and people at the end of the meditation, inevitably there'd be one or two people that would come up to me and say, oh, you know, we need to work on this because the, the noise, you know, the children, they're just so disruptive to the meditative process and I thought, oh, <gasps> you're so me and I'm so pleased to tell you it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> the, the sound and all of that, it's, part of the process and, you know, being aware of of the noise around me does not make the experience less. And now I do meditation in the Dallas County Jail with the women and, you know, you have all sorts of sounds and strange things happening And, and to help the women understand that that can be part of the experience. Is is really a different message than somehow I don't know where I got the idea that I had to be in that
2: total silence and my, my
0: you know I, I don't know that I was ever told that but certainly I had. That. I think
2: it's very much an active part of our psychological and visual story or exposure to meditation. I mean, when you see people meditating in films or on mm-hmm. TV, it, it it's the it's the priest in the monata- monastery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you sounded like In me. the monastery, right. Mm-hmm. In the monastery, or, or Buddhist monks in a monastery, right. or Tibetan people something. in a you know, yoga class. Um, or, ocean or something. Yeah? Right. It's like the images we see, mm-hmm. that's what's in our mind. That's what's in our brain, in our subconscious. And yeah, it seems like um, I had someone, I had a client say to me a while back, um, you know, I can't be, I can't be still long enough, and there's no place in my life that's quiet enough mm-hmm. for me to start a regular meditation practice. Mm-hmm. And of course, my response was, well, you can believe that story if you want, because mm-hmm. that's one of my Favorite lines I mean you you get to choose what you believe, so you can believe that story if you want, and as long as you believe it, that will be true
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um and it just made me you know think about all all the ways that you can meditate and all the places you can meditate and you know other than medit- other than when you're driving a car or you know riding right. some machinery of some kind <laughs> you know you can meditate while you're standing in grocery lines. Grocery lines, right. And I mean, there is a difference. There is a, there's overlap between meditation and mindfulness. hmm So they're not exactly the same thing. And you can do anything mindfully, mm-hmm. including drive a car mm-hmm. and operate machinery. Um, but meditation really kind of going within and blocking out all the the sensory input the external sensory input, I mean, you literally could do that any time, especially when you remember you can do it 30 seconds at a time or right. one minute at a time and then still count. Mm-hmm. So.
0: And it's ins- it, it, the excuses that I would use, I think, are instructive to me to let me know kind of where I am in terms of you know, who's in charge of my mind, my big M mind, or my little M mind, and in terms of, like you were saying, that conversation you had with yourself the other morning, I can affirm that I don't have the time through, it's information to me about what I'm paying attention to, and, and what I'm feeding, we talk about that a lot, you know, am I feeding the human... Uh, excuses, am I feeding the human anxiety, or am I feeding the spiritual, saying yes to spirit, and um, like you said, lighting the candle, if we set up certain rituals, I burn incense in the mornings, and, you know, that, it's like we are all Pavlov's dog, you know, there's, you know, we, we, if we get ourselves into any kind of ritual or any kind of routine, um, it does trigger us into that experience. And so even setting up the incense, that triggers me into a a reawakening or regrounding. And so any little tiny things, any little tiny, 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 tiny,
2: tiny things that we do can have really, really powerful.
1: Yeah,
0: and
2: it's funny for me using the lighting the candle example is a good example of how ritual kicks in. Mm -hmm. It's so ingrained in your subconscious that your body just responds because I don't know that I really think about the fact that I light the candle and that really in itself is a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. But it, And it's that because I do it in a context of, you know, of prayer and meditation and reflection and devotion um, but just lighting the candle itself shifted my energy, mm-hmm. and I imagine it's something like you know when the scientists study the mind, mm-hmm. and uh, you know with uh, the, all the studies that have been done with uh, professional or Olympic level athletes about how the their body the met, um physically, physiologically, their body can't tell the difference between when they are actually running the race Mm -hmm. or just visualizing running the race because their heart rate and everything is like the same Mm -hmm. pattern. And so I think that's kind of what happens too when we have a a pattern, Mm -hmm. whether it's burning incense, lighting a candle, standing at your front door, I mean, whatever, whatever you're doing, in your spiritual practice that it becomes habitual right? so much of what we do in life is habitual Mm -hmm. that yes the moment i lit the candle i believe i could have kept rushing around and getting dressed and all of that and the energy Mm -hmm. related to the candle would have had the same effect but my Physiology, my body, my physicality. My body was just so accustomed. You light the candle and you sit. You sit <laughs> or kneel. You're totally uh, Pavlovian, right. uh, I guess. That you know, my altar is low, so so it makes sense. I'm that low already. You're halfway to the floor. Just go ahead and and kneel on with the mat and and it's like once I did that. I didn't have 30 minutes. I didn't have 15 minutes. But there was no... um, There was no inner critic and there was no voice saying, you can't do this because you don't have 15 minutes. There was no voice. There was no inner critic saying, well, this will be a complete waste of time. Why even bother? There was none of that. It was just sit. And it was like my how my psyche knew I couldn't stay there long. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, took a series of deep breaths, and then it was like, okay, and I left the candle burning mm-hmm. while I finished getting dressed. And when I blew out the candle, I felt the same as if I had just done a 45-minute meditation. See, I love that. It's really true. It's so like, oh, yeah, this is good. And I'm sure if I did that every day, it wouldn't have that effect. But the cumulative
0: effect. And the link in the, you know, again, the link in the chain, like you're saying, it it, it does add up. And um, another thing I learned in this John and Linda's class was the idea of, you know, when thoughts come, Mm -hmm. when anxieties come. They had all sorts of different um, tricks, I guess, would be a good one way of saying, but ways to, you know, kind of see that, see the thought, like, on a leaf in a river and seeing it flows down the river and and be gone or seeing it like a cloud moving overhead, the thought or the anxiety, to kind of give me some tips on how to not get caught in the loop of the thought. And, you know, the whole idea of what we resist persists. So the more I'm trying not to think, the more I'm thinking. Exactly. So instead of fighting that, just to say, oh. You know, I need to write so-and-so a thank-you note. Okay, I'm going to see that on a leaf and that's floating down the river and that's gone, you know. And so, and there is, um, there's a lot of different ways to kind of help me center and, and and slow down those thoughts because I do think it is unusual for my mind to stop thinking. So I do use a lot of those tricks. And another one is just to just to pay attention to the breath, to to really feel the air moving through my nose or going into my body. And, you know, another thing they talked about was to do colors, to see, like, purple air or purple light or purple or red or blue or yellow and to connect to somehow seeing that energy going into my body through my breath and then exhaling it out. So there's a lot of different little ways to give my mind something to do as I'm kind of settling into being still. And it does get, I can remember when I had, you know, real sh- real ritualistic practices when I was with working uh, with a Christian mystic group. I would get up and go to the priest's house every morning. There was a period of years that I went to the Center for Spiritual Living and did meditation there. And so there were, there was a lot of time in my life where I've had very structured quantity of time, and I would be in a certain place and I would get into that space that as soon as I walked into Reverend Beatrice's house and we took our shoes off at the bottom, it's like my body would trigger into this stillness, and so right. I know even from my mind it's possible you know <laughs> if i can uh, if I can maintain a a certain level, you know, that's kind of like the PhD level, but even the kindergarten level works, I guess, is what I've understood over time, and I and I think my ego or my human mind tries to convince me, oh, that kindergarten, you know, we've experienced the uh, mountaintop, so I can't really be bothered with the kindergarten levels, I can't do it, you know, but that's just not true, that's just an excuse to stay just stuck, tr- little,
2: tricky little, little tricky, a little a little little tricky mind, little mind. Yes, I love it. Yeah, I'm all for ritual. Let's. What's What's uh, hitting me in this moment is we jumped right in because we one we've talked about meditation before. Mm-hmm. Two, you and I both use meditation a lot in our own spiritual practice. But what if there's someone listening who really has never experienced mm-hmm. meditation okay. and? Um, and is listening to us going, well, that's good for them, but I don't even really know what they're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. How would
2: you describe um, meditation? And maybe we could also, after that, give a couple of examples of meditation. What is the, uh, the
0: idea of meditation being a receiving kind of thing? Prayer is a, that I'm putting something out, asking the universe, doing something outward. Focused meditation is more receiving or inward focused. I think really, um, I don't have a you know a real what I would a clinical (laughs) real spiritual definition. I don't know the spiritual definition, but it's just a sitting still. And I really love that John and Linda have that you know that claim to that sitting still. It's just a practice of sitting still. And like you said, I can remember when they first went to class, there was a woman in the class that said that same thing, that I don't have, I don't have any space, I, you know, I have three kids, I don't have any way, there's not a, a quiet anything, and they said go in the bathroom and close the door and sit for five minutes, even on the toilet seat, with the toilet seat down, you know, more toilet seat up, but that's more pleasant, but, you know, five minutes in the bathroom, and, you know, even if somebody knocks on the door, you just, you're in there for five minutes, and, and and it was interesting to watch her come back that next week after she did that. And and there is this thing, I think, that I, I have this kind of image in my mind that spirit, angels, all the energy force in the other realm, so to speak, all the good in life is just waiting and just kind of waiting. Just give me an opening, just any little opening and I am going to flood in there. We are going to be so excited that somebody has given us an opening and we're just going to like, you know, hallelujahs are going to come across it. And so she had that experience the next week where she did it, she actually did it, and she was just on fire with it. She's like, oh, everything's changed, I, you know, it's just an amazing thing. I sat in my bathroom for five minutes in the morning, and it's like, wow. And I and I so believe that if, if I just do anything, there's so much energy around me pushing good toward me, and it just needs the smallest of openings that 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 i will be i hate to use the word rewarded but you know that i will be linked in that i will be hooked in to that good and so you know i think meditation is just anything that involves sitting and being still physically my mind doesn't have to be still that's a nice idea but it's ultimately simply sitting still physically and just committing the time to that Would be my definition. Just sitting still for one minute to 30 minutes. What's your definition of meditation or practitioner?
2: Well, no, I, I agree with everything that you said. And I would add that once you have that sense of what it feels like, Well, and, and now I have to back up. So I, I agree. It's the this being still or connecting with the stillness. I would probably add that. Either being physically still or connecting with the stillness because I learned to meditate decades ago. And I remember there was a point when I didn't know there was such a thing as walking meditation. mm mm-hmm. But I was doing that, and um, and I think about runners, people who are runners, and what they call their runner's high mm-hmm. is really meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a form of meditation, So it, because they connect with the stillness and the allness, even though they're physically moving. But I do agree that for most of us, most of the time, mm-hmm. that the way we... At least first experience that is in the still in in the physical stillness. Um, I was I was uh, thinking back as you were talking to uh, one of the meditation groups that I um, used to be really involved with, and and people would come and they would say. Um, the, the whole conversation, there would be a conversation about the, you know, clearing your mind, and people would come and they would say, well, you know, isn't what, what meditation is all about? You're just supposed to have nothing in your mind. And I got in the habit of, it happened by accident at first, but I got in the habit of saying, no, actually your goal in meditation is to fill your mind with God. mm Interesting, and um, and so oh, that's I interesting. I love the um, the the Caswell image of the you know put that thought on a leaf and let it flow down the river and um, Brother G Singh loves the you know the standard the the oft used um, put see that see that thought on a cloud and watch the cloud float away or you know disperse. Um, and and I would say often to people, notice the thought and then say, I'm replacing that thought with God. Oh, nice. You know, or, or I'm giving that thought mm-hmm, to God. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as you do that, as every thought comes or everything on your to-do list comes up, yes, I'm giving that to God. Yes, I'm, you know, it was like, whatever their image of a higher power was, mm-hmm. they could say, yes, I'm having that thought, and now I'm going to think about God. Yes, I'm having. And, and there was something about it, I guess, because we are trained to think. We should mm-hmm. be thinking. Mm-hmm. The idea that all I'm going to think about is God
1: mm-hmm.
2: means that the more that God comes in, the, it kind of moves all mm-hmm. of the other stuff out. And I don't personally think that a lot, but as you were talking, I was like, oh, yeah, I used to say that to people a lot. And it seemed to help them give themselves permission to sit still, Mm -hmm. even though their mind wasn't still. Um, And, you know, I think the walking meditation and the people who say they, you know, get to the runner's high point in their running or even people who will say as they're knitting or crocheting, mm-hmm. you know, they, like they completely lose track of time mm-hmm. and they feel completely refreshed. I think there is something about giving your hands or your body something to do. So it begins to focus on that. When I first started doing walking medit, leading other people in walking meditations, what I realized was you're giving your mind something to think about. You know how to walk. Right. So you don't have to think about how to walk, but because you are kind of breathing and it's quiet, your body starts thinking, oh, my right foot, oh, my left foot, oh, that's all I have to think about right now is walking. And it because it has a direction to think, mm-hmm it lets go of all the other stuff. And, you know, we could do a walking meditation and it seems like it's 10 minutes and realize it's been 30, 40 minutes.
0: You know, that's so true. Giving my mind and my body something to do. And it's funny that I wear these mala beads all the time and I only use them every now and again, but it reminded me the idea of doing some sort of... um, mantra or affirmation on the mala beads, which are, I guess... What are mala beads? I guess I was going to say that. Are they, would they be called Buddhist prayer beads? There are 108 little beads on a string. And the idea, it's kind of like a rosary or something where you say something on each bead. And um I know we use the mantra, uh, it's not a mantra, but the affirmation a lot in uh, Science of Mind that there is only one life, that life is God's life. That life is perfect. perfect. That life is my life now. And to say that 108 times, it kind of pulls my mind out of the daily thoughts into that. Um, and can you? Can, and, and it does settle me. It, it slows me. And it's fascinating. In the in the jail that I work with the women, they'll get a hundred. And they'll take a little, make little wads of paper. 108, in the Buddhist tradition, I think there's something mystical and magical about 108, But, and they'll have 108 little wads of paper, and they'll move it from the left to the right side on the table, and they'll have their eyes closed, they'll just kind of be doing that movement with their hands, and saying whatever they're saying, nice. and doing that, and bringing them into that space. Another thing that I've used is I'm happy, I'm joyous, I am free. That's a 12-step thing. But whatever it is to just say it over and over as I'm moving the beads or shifting the little piece of paper from the left to the right, um, it does give my human mind something to do while settling into that space of oneness that is always available to me.
2: Yeah, and that is... um and that that's what the goal is with meditation. I love what you said earlier about you hesitate to say, you know, here's the reward. Yeah. Because it's not like if I meditate three thousand four hundred and ninety six <laughs> hours in a certain length, you know, time frame that I'm I'm going to walk the streets of gold. I mean, you know <laughs> Walk the wall. It's not sad. And at the same time there is the reward of living a life you love or being able to navigate the ups and downs of humanity mm-hmm. by by giving your spirituality the muscle, the exercise that it yes. needs. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and and I also like <clears throat> what you said about the opening that it's, it's like I'm creating an opening for God to rush in
1: mm-hmm.
2: and to really refresh and renew me and guide me. I lo- there's um, Ernest Holmes' quote on page 290 of the textbook <laughs> that uh, is, you know, I am guided, guarded, and directed by spirit. And it's like, yeah, there, and there are a couple ways for that. I mean, there are a lot of ways for that to happen, but the times when we get out of the way and allow that to happen, mm-hmm. for most people, I think, unfortunately, the re- the times that happens are when you're in such a panic or a crisis. You know, the 911 God. That it's the 911 God, But what it is is <clears throat> you. It feels like a miracle because you totally have gotten out of the way because mm-hmm. you are like completely Mm -hmm. out of control or out of your element, and I don't know what to do, and oh, my God, please help me, right? And so God rushes in. Well, the other way to do that on the other end of the scale Mm -hmm. is I meditate every day, and I'm open to the guidance and the direction of God. In these moments of silence, in these times of release, and disconnecting from the human world, oh, guess what? I am intentionally connecting with the spiritual part of who I am. And if I do that all the time, guess what? <laughs> that guidance is helping me every day. I don't have to wait for the crisis or the emergency. And well, you know, isn't it interesting? I
0: guess... The the design. Go ahead, Tracy Brown. You had a thought. Don't lose it. You cut your hair. No. Oh. But I showered, so maybe that is that.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, back to the. Topic. Uh-huh, there you go. You just had such a look of something. I knew you had something. and some thought. Um, there was a woman in, uh, in 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 a class yesterday at the jail. Who was talking about that she'd been in treatment center after treatment center and done all these different things and but suddenly now she felt transformed and her instinct was she said this program is amazing and she said oh, I was amazing and you know I would like to take that credit so I fought the urge to say well of course yes it is this program and it certainly is me and I, I and I kind of languished her I said well what is different about you because at the end of the day sadly I do know all treatment centers pretty much are the same so I said, "There's got to be something, something about you." So I kept trying to get her to, you know, take it, you know, figure it out, think back. What's different? There's something different about you. And she said, "This time I surrendered." Yes. And I was fascinated by that word. And when you were talking, it is that, you know, I'm sort of. Say this jokingly but i actually kind of believe it that life is a bit of a game and and so and the cards are stacked in our favor and you know either this life or next life we're all going to make make it but um i think the design of the game is to get us to that point of surrendering and many times unfortunately the human experience is that we have to get there through that trauma or drama or something tragic to get us that point of surrender or as you said we can choose every morning to surrender and be joyfully surrendering and be, you know, gleefully surrendering and making a conscious choice to surrender or if we can't find our way to do that, then life will give us an opportunity to just, you know, be so almost to the point of self-destruction that we have no choice but to surrender. But the same thing happens when we surrender then, you know, everything unlocks, spirit moves in and we get that that guidance, and we get that flow, and we get to be in the jet stream instead of swimming around with the people swimming upstream.
2: So, as you were talking, the Carrie Underwood song "Jesus Take the Wheel." Oh, ah, yeah, I like that. Came to mind, and I love that song, uh-huh. and I I love what it stands for and what it means. And yes, you know I the The song tells the story of all the things she's tried, and you know, and of course, the chorus is, and I realize I can't do this on my own you know jesus take the will and um and isn't it true that that surrender mm-hmm. the the story the song tells the story of struggling through life and making decisions and taking actions, but not choosing to surrender until that moment of crisis. Right. And we can surrender, we can change that pattern anytime Mm -hmm. we want. Absolutely. And so, you know, the idea of born-again Christians, the idea that I am, through this commitment I am making today, I am reborn, I have a fresh start, I surrender, Mm -hmm. and then the question becomes, do you surrender as a part of how you live your life all the time, or do you wait until you are in that crisis where, whether it's a financial crisis, an emotional crisis, a mental crisis, um, or some physical, you know, crisis, danger of loss, how do we what do we choose and how do we choose and it just that you know brings me of course just to this show say yes to spirit that is all about surrendering to the daily guidance the minute by minute, minute, guidance by minute yes. that is sometimes required to live a life you love live a life that allows your good to, show, to be a part of the good in the world
0: And another thing we've talked a lot about in the last few weeks is this idea of setting the here's where I want to be. Here's the thing I want. Being very clear. I like how you said that that week. You you have to be very clear. I have to be very clear that I want X, Y, and Z. But I have no idea the how. And so how to surrender each moment and stay awake to the signs. I'm really so into that, and, uh, and it's fascinating, in the jail, I'll ask the women, I'll say, you know, do a test, do a test. You know, set something that you want, and you're in a very controlled, small environment, but, you know, and then be open to the signs. And one woman, I'll never forget, will tell the story, she said, you know, I want a hot shower, and you can imagine 64 women showering, there's just, that's hard to come by. And uh, so she said that was how, I, that's what I want is a hot shower. And I'm going to leave the how up to spirit. I'm just going to go to sleep. And she'll tell, she told the story of how she woke up, just woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is usually not shower time. They're supposed to have shower time. And it just occurred to her to ask the guard if she could take a shower outside of shower time. It just came to her. And she just did it. She wasn't even thinking. She asked the guard, can I take a shower? And the guard unusually said yes. She got in the shower and the shower was hot. And when she felt the hot water, that's when she remembered that's what I had asked for. Yes. And she just followed the intuition of the waking up, having the thought, and she followed it, asked the question, got the answer that would be unexpected, and then got the hot water. And so following that, you know, 60-second example into a lifetime kind of, you know, here's what I want. I want this job or I want this relationship or I want this financial or I want this outcome. And then just moving towards wherever my energy is drawn and not... You know, not second-guessing and saying, oh, no, I'm not going to pick up the phone and call that person. Now I'll do that tomorrow. But, you know, if I had the energy to pull, to call this person, call this person.
1: Right.
0: And, you know, open this paper. You know, whatever the energy is, even though it seems ridiculous or off point or something, but just allow myself to be drawn into whatever intuitively is pulling me, it, you know, it, we call it mystic and magic and all that sort of thing and miracles and all of that, but it's really not. It's just the divine design. But I uh, so often
2: will we'll pull back or not follow. Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking, how much do I miss mm-hmm. because I'm not tuned in to my intuition? Mm-hmm or i ignore my intuition because i'm already on a path to do something yes well. i
0: have my own plan i can't be bothered
2: but right. spirit or, you know or i don't <laughs> it's not obvious to me where it's leading right and so i'm like uh, yeah or, you know it's it's an idea it's just one more of the thousands of ideas i get in a day mm-hmm. and that for me is the challenge of of um separating idea from intuition or noticing when Mm. they're the same discernment right that's a great word discernment i don't use it very much but it is the actual perfect word yeah the discernment between an idea and my intuition is that idea coming from my creative mind Mm -hmm. or my brain or my analysis or is that idea coming from um, an intuitive place. Um, This, recently I was um, working on, um, uh, for a few weeks on this book that off and on for three years I've been working on and I'm really clear, you know, the book is about, Pain is not punishment, it's preparation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'll go through these spurts where I'm, I, it's not just Tracy wanting to do this book. It just feels like, Tracy, you're supposed to be Correct. working on this book, get it done. And so I was in one of those periods recently, and I had kind of set a date. I, you know, I really believe I can finish the book by this particular date. It just feels so alive for me right now. And I worked on it some, and it became clear I wasn't going to make that particular date. But I didn't have any drama around it. It was like, okay, because, I mean, God is birthing this book through me. It is not me anyway. And um, and I had an intuition. I, I felt like I'm close enough now. Um, I am going to uh, put it aside because I had a strong intuition about creating a book of prayers. Mm. Just, it seemed like a completely separate idea, but it's like do this book of prayers and you can have it by this date that's coming up where you can go speak and you'll have this book ready, because this other book that you've been working on off and on for three years is not going to be done. And so I sat down and I started working on it, and then I got another intuition. (laughs) I started, like, writing some prayers and getting some prayers I had written for others. And I had about, I don't know, maybe a dozen prayers, and I got the second intuition of hire somebody to do your book cover. Hmm. For the prayer book? For the the prayer book. I got you. And so I did. I hired somebody the next day to develop the cover and I told her I wrote the back cover, so you know, which helped me frame where the book was going. And the guy comes back, the artist comes back four days later, and I had given him the idea that I thought I, the book cover was supposed to be. He comes back with the book cover. He's gone to one of my websites, and he's found a picture of me. I did not send him the picture. He says, I saw this picture of you. And I immediately saw the whole book cover and so here's my draft book cover. Wow. And I'm like I've written nine books and I have refused to have my photo mm. as the main thing on mm. the front cover, like mm. so many authors do Oprah. Do you want to be Oprah? So many authors <laughs> on do her that. magazine. I, mean, I always think that's funny she's on a magazine. I mean if you go in the bookstore in self help especially Right you know, probably 80% of the books have the authors, a picture of the author,
1: mm-hmm.
2: as the pro, most prominent feature in the book. Mm-hmm. So in nine books, I have refused to do that. And I might have my small picture on the back with the, about the author or something like that, but not as the focal point for the cover. So I said, this is nothing like what the theme was, What I the idea I had for this cover. And he explains, like I said, that he saw my picture, and he saw the whole book cover. Boom. So he just took a risk. He followed his intuition. So he took a risk. And of course, I loved it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, so apparently spirit has another plan. Here Mm -hmm. I am writing this Mm -hmm. book of prayers. Mm -hmm. That was not my plan. The intuition, the higher the the, the, uh, artist, he comes back with something that is not what I asked him to do, and I love it, Mm -hmm. and it feels so right. And then we had a little hiccup. The book needed to be twice the size that I originally planned for it to be because of something. Because I wanted the title of the book on the spine, so it had to be a certain number mm. of pages.
0: So your face is really big.
2: So <laughs> you're funny. And so <laughs> what happened was then he. What what happened then was I the next time I meditated the next morning, I got this guidance. Well, you know, the title of the book is I Turn to Prayer. And a lot of times people turn to prayer because they're in Christ. And ha- some of the things you were going to do in the pain, is not punishment, but preparation. Uh-oh. Course, actually should be in this book. To Touching. It. it all came together.
0: Now, isn't that interesting?
2: Yeah, so getting out of the way, <laughs> having a quick outcome. <laughs> So whole, so the book will be finished sooner, and the other book is going to morph into something else. And you just followed it at each turn. But you followed it, and it, right. and it became, you know, what it always was meant to be, but you had to get out of the way of it. Yeah. And so, I mean, how does... So that links with what you had said before about how clear it is for us to know the long-term outcome and then follow the path and notice. But I also believe it relates to... Our theme today, meditation, because I think it's because I meditate as much as I do. Yes. That I'm able to notice mm-hmm. the intuition and follow it and trust it. Mhm. So. Yeah, the meditation is definitely the doorway.
0: It's the, it's the opening. It's the opening. Everything I, you know, everything for me starts at meditation or starts at some sort of daily practice, and I'm excited about a whole month or a whole series of daily practice look at all the different ways that they affect. But meditation is my favorite.
2: Yeah, so join us, and we'll be talking about other spiritual practices during the next three weeks, or three or four weeks. But for now, until then, <laughs> say yes. Yes, the spirit. Yeah.